0: Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. I doubt I've ever mentioned this before. When I was a little kid, I collected Batman and Superman comic books. And somewhere along in high school, I think I sold my collection to somebody. Didn't make a lot of money off of it. Didn't throw them away, though. That's the key. But uh, back then, Batman and Superman were still kind of old school. It would be a few years before the Batman movies came out that kind of revamped the image. But I remember when Frank Miller came along and reimagined The Dark Knight. And so Juan sent me a note and said, Steve, check out this story. And he put in his signature block that he is, in fact, a Batman fan. And uh, so this is a fascinating story. From the New York Times, Frank Miller sues widow of comics magazine editor for the return of artworks. So he sent art over to a magazine editor who used the art and then hung on to it, and then passed away. So the widow put the stuff up for auction, and Frank Miller says, hey, that's my stuff. And she said, I don't think so. And so right now, the artwork is in limbo while they're fighting over this stuff. George Jean Gustines wrote this for the New York Times. The comic writer and artist Frank Miller is suing the widow and the estate of a comics magazine founder over two pieces A promotional art he created that she was trying to sell at auction. The art appeared on the covers of a magazine called Comics Interview in the 1980s. Includes an early depiction of Batman and a female Robin from the 1986 The Dark Knight Returns series. And is potentially a valuable collectible. Um, So there's two pieces of art involved here, but that's one of them. The lawsuit seeks to return to the Batman piece which was used in the cover of Comics Interview Number 31 in 1986, as well as art depicting the title character of Miller's 1983 Ronan series. He had sent both to Kraft for his use in the publication. The Ronan artwork was used as the cover of Comics Interview Number 2 in 1983. Miller argues in his pleadings that he and Kraft agreed they were simply on loan, which he says was custom and usage in the trade at the time. So Miller says, we did this all the time. I'd send him artwork, he'd use it. He understood he didn't own the original piece. He was merely allowed to use it on his magazine. And then later on, he would return the stuff to me. So he says he made repeated requests for the return, but never got them back. But Kraft's widow disagrees with that assertion and says, my husband kept all his correspondence, When I say all of it, I don't know if you can comprehend the level of meticulousness. He bound all of his correspondence by year, by name, and in alphabetic order by company. When the question was raised about demands before 2022 to return the artwork, she said, she searched her husband's files and found no such requests. And many people will immediately catch, well, that would be a written request. What if he called the guy? What if they spoke? Um... The chief executive of Frank Miller, Inc. said in an email that Miller would not comment on the ongoing legal matter. The lawsuit, which was first reported by Law 360, was filed on Monday in the Gainesville Division of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. Uh, The widow said she believed that Miller had gifted the art to her husband. If it was not given, David would have given it back, she said. Um... Meanwhile, in the lawsuit, they point out that another promotional piece by Miller for Sin City was used by Kraft and was returned. So she says he wouldn't have ruined the relationship with someone he would potentially work with in the future. He certainly wouldn't have ruined his relationship with DC Comics, which published The Dark Knight Returns and Ronin. The uh, art was created for promotional use, she said, and it was common practice for Kraft to keep those types of pieces. So she says it's common that he kept the stuff Frank Miller says it's common that they would return it. The dispute started in the spring, and in May, a lawyer from Miller sent a cease and desist letter after learning of a potential sale of the works on Comic Connect, an online auction house devoted to comics and pop culture memorabilia, uh, saying that he had given them to craft as a loan and expected their return after some time. A lawyer representing Metropolis Collectibles, which is a sister company of Comic Connect, wrote in response that the actual relevant custom in the trade at the time was that comic artists would give, not loan, artworks to Mr. Kraft and other comic publishers in the hopes that publishers, such as Mr. Kraft would use the artwork in their publications to thereby provide publicity and exposure to the artist and their work. Uh, I'm going to point one thing out here, and I'm not criticizing this, but if you look up in the dictionary, loan generally is a noun. Lend is the verb. However, loan has worked its way around to become a verb. So I can loan you $5, but it's better to say I'll lend you $5. However, it's now acceptable. It is acceptable, but I will, I will move on. The lawyer also wrote that because Miller was only just now demanding the artwork be returned decades later, his request might be untimely because of the expiration of the statute of limitations and other theories. Now, here's the point. Uh, The question is, statute of limitations, what's the cause of action? If I lend you something and we agree that I've lent it to you, okay, I've lent it to you. Time goes by and I say, I want my stuff back. And you go, no, I'm keeping it. I think you gave it to me. And I file a lawsuit today, the day I hear you say that. Are you arguing now that the statute of limitations actually began to run the day I lent it to you? Because that means I cannot lend you something for an indefinite period of time for fear that you'll wind up owning it because the statute of limitations ran. And now, I don't know what the causes of action are in this lawsuit, but it depends what the cause of action is as to what the statutes would be. But most of them would just be a few years. But they start running usually when the cause of action accrues. And so if I lend you something and you keep—I'm just making up stuff here— If I lend you something and you keep reassuring me, I understand it's a loan, I understand it's a loan, I understand it's a loan. The day you say, it's not a loan, I'm keeping it, I believe it would be the day that that cause of action arose. And if you say, Steve, that can't be true. Well, think of all the museums that have had things on loan for years. And there'll often be a thing saying, on loan, from so-and-so. Can the museum actually say we now own all this stuff because the statute of limitations ran on all those loans? So that's a problem. But he also says, and other legal theories. And that's the interesting one because he doesn't say it here, but the most common thing that would occur to most attorneys here is the concept of latches. Latches. And it's spelled differently than it sounds. It's L-A-C-H-E-S. Latches. And latches is an old-school legal theory that says, in essence... That if you wait too long to do something, you might waive your right to do it. So it's an unreasonable delay in bringing a claim. And the thinking is that if you have a cause of action that you should act on, and you don't act, the longer you don't act, the worse it's getting for everybody. So, you know, it's similar to a statute of limitations, but it doesn't contain a date or a time frame. It's just an unreasonable delay. So they could say, hey, you know something? We're not talking statute of limitations here. We're just talking latches. Because he lent the stuff for use back in the nineteen eighties. Okay? And here we are in the twenty twenties. And he's saying, Oh, I want that stuff back. Could he or should he have asked for that stuff earlier? That's the argument that someone could make with respect to latches. Now, Miller, in his filing, wrote that he and his publisher had sought the return of the works directly and indirectly since the 1980s and that they believed the works were lost. And so there's an interesting point because now the widow can say he asked for it back 30 years ago and it wasn't given back to him. He should have realized then he had a cause of action. Except... He says he believed the works were lost. And so then, and I'm, again, just making up stuff here, but if I lend you something, you have it, and then I say, I want it back, and you go, I lost it. Do I really have to sue you to preserve my cause of action if you've misled me? And again, I'm making up hypotheticals here, but these are all different things that can come to play here. So he says that he was led to believe the works were lost. Miller is seeking damages, for the value of the works in an amount exceeding $75,000 be determined at trial. Uh, I assume also he might be seeking the return of the work itself, but that would be the cash damages, I suspect, of the things not being returned. The sale of the artwork could be lucrative. In June, the cover of issue number one of the Dark Knight Returns was auctioned for $2.4 million. In 2011, a page from issue number three of the series that showed the older Batman and Carrie Kelly, then the new female Robin, mid-leap over the Gotham City skyline, sold for $448,000, okay? So now you might say, but Steve, if they're selling for millions of dollars or half millions of dollars, why is he only asking for 75? No, he's asking for an amount in excess of. And again, I've talked about this before. Some courts have thresholds. And they say to be in this court, your claim must be above a certain amount. So you routinely plead that you want something above that amount and that'll get you into the court. I can't afford to go to court and I can't afford not to go to court. The widow said, I'm just one person. I'm not Frank Miller. I don't have a company. Currently, neither Miller nor the widow are in possession of the art because it had been given to Comic Connect ahead of the auction and had been slated for sale back in June, but the works were pulled before the auction started presumably because of this wrangling. Um, Stephen Fischler, the chief executive of Comic Connect and Metropolis Collectible says, we will let the court decide who owns the pieces. And in the meantime, we are retaining possession. And that's an interesting angle also because there is a legal concept that if you have something in your possession that's being fought over in court or could be fought over in court, you can often go to court and say, I don't want any part of this. I'm going I'm to turn this over to the court. And let the court and the parties deal with this mess. Because here's the issue. If somebody hangs on to something that other people are fighting over. And something happens to what they're hanging on to. Then what happens? <laughs> so if I was an auction house. And somebody put into my possession items that could be worth millions of dollars. And now I've got to store them until the litigation is over. I think I'd be a little worried about that. But hey, that's just me. And I'm an attorney and I think very very paranoid sometimes. <laughs> and by the way, I know people who have heard me say that jokingly. And they say, Steve, it must be you know, tough to live your life like that. Actually, um, I don't get paranoid about news stories. Uh, and I tend to not even get that paranoid about my own stuff. It's my client's stuff I get paranoid about. <laughs> but that's that's something you want. That's a trait you want in your attorney. You want your attorney to get invested in your case to the point where they'll feel bad if things go wrong. There ain't nothing worse, and I've heard stories where somebody's gone to court and lost, and their attorney's like, oh, oh yeah, well, win some, lose some. It's like, no. <laughs> Most people don't have any lawsuits, or if they have any, they've got one. So it's not win some, lose some for them. you know. So it's an interesting story, but what's particularly remarkable about it is it's frank miller and his artwork and i've seen his artwork i remember seeing the dark knight stuff that he drew and i remembered because i remember the tv show okay and i remember the old comics and the old comics were not as campy as a tv show i don't know how to describe tv show uh but when frank miller drew the dark knight stuff i remember looking at it going like this is brilliant it's brilliant He was reimagining, in essence, a legend or a myth. And it was so brilliant the way he did it. And so I'm fascinated by the artwork and by the artist. The guy's a genius. As for who owns that artwork, that will get decided by a court somewhere down the road. And unfortunately, and I feel bad about this, but the guy who had possession of them has passed away. And so you've got a transaction that involves two people. And one person transfers something to another person. Did they give it to them as a gift or do they lend it to them? And so as you can imagine, two people involved in the transaction, the two would know. And one of them is gone now. And so the widow has got to try to, as best she can, prove her side of the story. And of course, the primary witness on her side is no longer with us. So there you go. So, Juan, thanks for sending it, and there's nothing to be ashamed of being a Batman fan. Batman's had a whole history of different iterations, some cooler than others. So there you go. Frank Miller, Sue's Widow of Comics, magazine editor for The Return of Artworks, story written by George Gene Gustins for The New York Times. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. The next time you have a thought, let it go.